direct from Fort Meade, Maryland, this is Dinfos Live. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Dinfos Live. I'm your host, Major David J. Murphy, an instructor here at the Defense Information School, and also your host for this month's episode. Writing. It's something that we as professional communicators do regularly, if not daily. Well, writing for yourself is one thing, but writing for someone else, especially someone you work for, is an entirely different skill set altogether. On this month's episode, we're taking a deep dive into writing in someone else's voice and writing for your boss. Also, when you're writing for your boss, you have to understand which platform potentially that you're going to be publishing on. Speaking of platforms, did you know that you can now listen to Dinfos Live on your podcasting platform of choice? That's right. Dinfos Live is now a podcast, and you can find it by searching for Dinfos Live on your favorite podcatcher. Now, getting back to our show, to help us understand the nuances of today's topics, I'd like to introduce two guests. First, Commander Candace Tresh, Director of Public Affairs, U.S. 10th Fleet. Hello, Commander. Hi, Welcome. You? Thanks. I'd also like to welcome back, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd also like to welcome Ms. Stephanie Hatcher, an instructor here at Dinfos. Ma'am, great to see you. How are you? Great. Please have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. Sure. I'd also like to welcome back our social media moderator, Sergeant Benjamin Witten. Sergeant Witten, how are you doing? I'm doing great, sir. What is this week's topic about? Uh, writing for your boss. Writing for your boss. That reminds me when I was a kid, I used to write my own doctor's notes. Uh -oh. Similar vibe. <laughs> I could have used some assistance then in uh, properly sounding like a doctor. They don't go. usually prescribe a case of the Mondays as, <laughs> as a valid excuse. Well, I want to make sure to remind you, prescribe everybody a case of go get something for your Mother's Day uh, gift. Get those gifts ready to go because Mother's Day is right around the corner. All right. Well, guests, thank you so much for saying, taking time out to be on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to be talking about writing for your boss, a really important topic. And I'm really glad to have you here uh, talk about it. But I want to also let everybody know who's watching us uh, that Sergeant Witten is going to be monitoring our social media chat. So if you have questions for our panelists, uh, for our guests, please put those into the chat and we might read them on the air. Okay, everybody comfortable? Okay, thanks. Great. Why don't you go ahead and start by telling us a little about yourselves and your history with public affairs? Uh, sure. So I've been in the Navy for about 19 years. I started off as a surface warfare officer and then transitioned to uh, public affairs. So I've been doing public affairs for about 15 years. Um, so both afloat and ashore commands, uh, standouts would be aid to the Chimpo, um, so our, the Navy's leader in communication, um, and then strike group uh, PAO for strike group eight and Harris Truman, and then um, the PAO for the Deputy Secretary of Defense. Wow, that's great. Thanks. Ms. Hatcher? So I was Army Public Affairs for 12 years, uh, including uh, tours in Korea, Afghanistan, and Iraq. After I got out, or since I got out, I've been teaching at the Defense Information School in the Public Affairs Communication Strategy Directorate. I currently teach the online course where we teach speech writing and writing for a principal. Um, I also have a master's degree in communications with a concentration in government communication from John Hopkins University, where I did a lot of um, work specifically on writing for a principal. Nice, great. Well, how'd you find yourself writing for your boss in the first place? How'd you get yourself in that particular situation? 
I, well, I'll start off. I'll say for me, it was doing right by my sailors. Um, the first time that I had the opportunity, I was still a surface warfare officer, um, and we had gotten called uh, to the flight deck to do all, uh, an all-hands call. And so we hurry up and wait. We all got there. We stood there for, I don't know, 30 minutes, whatever the time happened to be. I feel bad my sailors were probably there longer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then so the CEO came out. It was an award ceremony. He read awards, and they were terrible. It, was, it didn't do justice for our sailors, and it was for the folks standing out there listening or the ones being recognized. So I uh, collaborated with my LPO and said, hey, let's do better. And that's, that's what we did. I got my start in Afghanistan in 2006. It was the Army's birthday celebration. And because I was public affairs, someone had the great idea that I should write and deliver a speech uh, for the Army's birthday celebration. So I did, and I delivered it to the entire Combined Joint Task Force. And the next day, I started getting calls from leadership around the task force asking for my help writing speeches. So that nice. was how I kind of got pulled into it. That's great. Well, let's say you're the PAO or CSO for your office, and your boss approaches you to write for them. What are the first things you need to take in consideration before actually doing that? Sure. Um, okay, so I'd offer three things. First, research. Um, both your subject, uh, also barriers to communication, whether it's environmental, physical, or in the communication environment. Uh, the second thing would be impact. What is your boss trying to do? And then write toward that objective. And then the last thing would be the bridge. Um, figuring out what your audience wants to hear and what they're capable of delivering and what your boss wants to tell them and then bridging the two so that uh, it's worth everyone's time. Yeah, absolutely. Candace nailed the two most important things, which is your commander's desired end state or your principal's desired end state and then um, the audience that you're going to be delivering it to because different people are going to accept messages in a different way. You're going to reach them different ways. Um, another thing I would consider too is the platform that you're delivering it through. So is it going to be a speech in front of hundreds or thousands of people? Is it going to be a social media post, a live town hall? You really have to consider the platform and tweak your, um, your communication to that platform as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned some products your boss might ask you to write for them. Can you go over the pantheon of different products that your boss could ask you to, to write for them? Right. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's really everything. Um, whether it's, I think one of the ones that the public affairs personnel are most familiar with are things like messages and talking points. You are literally writing those for somebody else to excuse me, to deliver. Um, but it could be something like a speech, it could be a social media post, which I find is a lot more common these days. Yeah. Um, social media, as you know, has taken off. It's a lot sure. of people's preferred communication method. And a lot of um, older commanders maybe don't know the best ways to utilize those platforms to their full extent, so they lean on their PA advisors to help them write those messages and craft those responses. Yeah, I'd say that's exactly right. Maybe add in uh, policy and testimony, and it's basically the gambit, whatever Whatever the written word can be written on, yeah. you might be called to do it. Okay, great. What are some common pitfalls that a PAO or CSO should be on the watch for as they're actually taking on that task of writing for their boss and creating that content? I would say one of the most common pitfalls is making sure that your uh, writing sounds like the person who's intending to deliver that speech. So um, if I have a different style of speaking or writing than my, um, my principal, I can't write in my own voice and expect it to sound natural coming from them. So authenticity is really important when we're doing these. Uh, so I think one of the biggest things is making sure you get their voice right. Um, I'll offer two. So one is the Google, being Google as your source. You have mm -hmm. a whole staff. Uh, ask them what their opinions are. Uh, seek out the other elements of your triad to see how to best connect. If Google is your primary source, maybe, maybe work on building the staff relationships a bit. Uh, and then the second one is 
writing and meaning something. I used to be really great at writing things and it sounded good, right? <laughs> but then when you walk away, yeah, ask somebody, well, what did you take away from that? And it's like that they're a really good speaker. There was no impact. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously our topic is all about writing for your boss, but you know, there might be other people within the command that you have to write for as well. You know, senior enlisted leaders, other lower level commanders, or just maybe someone from the office or someone you know, who needs to speak in front of a group. What are some considerations that you take uh, into care when you're writing for different groups like that? So the most important thing is the voice of the person that you're writing for. There are no hard and fast rules for like, this is the rules for writing for a senior enlisted advisor. This is the rules for writing for a commander. It, it, there are no hard and fast rules. It really depends on the person that you're going to be uh, writing for. And a common misconception about speech writers is that we're off in a room somewhere writing a speech all by ourselves, and we just hand it to the principal and they go out and deliver it. It rarely happens like that. Um, most of the time it's a very collaborative process. So when you're writing for different people, it's important to spend time with those principals figure out what makes them tick, what their motivations are, um, if they have any personal anecdotes from their life that they want to infuse in the speech, um, what is really going to get them excited about delivering the speech and also make it sound natural uh, and, and normal to come from them. So, so really the biggest thing for me is spending that time with that principal and, and really um, understanding their motivation and their style. Yeah, I 100% agree with Stephanie. I would only add that risk tolerances are different, so take that into consideration. Some, uh, and it comes across in different ways. For some people it's jokes, for some people it's being edgy, so just make sure you nail that one before, uh, before delivery day. Oh, absolutely. How do you get into the mindset of your principal, as you say, when you want to write in their speaking style? I mean, you know, what if they want to you know, go against sort of their normal, natural voice? How do you, how do you manage that? Well, Candace mentioned before research, and so one of the things that you should be researching is previous engagements and communication from that person. Um, in the military, you're likely to change commands every two to three years. So look at what your commander has written or said in the past. Get to know their speaking style, um, their, their tone, their cadence. Um, but also, you really do have to, to be an advisor at this point as part of your job as a public affairs advisor. And advise the commander against trying to sound different or um, than they actually come across than they are, because then that gets to that inauthentic sound. Yeah. Um, and like I said, to, to nail a speech that's written by someone else, it really has to sound authentic. Uh, I had a commander once who wanted to sound a little bit more academic than he actually was, um, and so he wanted us to use kind of bigger language and just different sentence structures. And we really advised him against it and said, sir, that's not how you talk. We really recommend that you just stick with this. And he wanted to go with the the, you know, highfalutin speech. So he did, and it was completely awkward. It fell flat. He had a hard time nailing these words and these cadences where he didn't normally speak. And so after that, he, he came back and he said, okay, we're not gonna do that again. I'll listen to you next time. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, so I, I try to inject the commander in verbatim when I can from something that they've said at a, an update brief or something. They've gotten to where they are for a reason. And so usually they, they have jewels and pearls of wisdom. So I try to put that in earlier in the speech so they already feel comfortable. And if I've done my job, they walk away thinking, oh, I could have written that, but they still ask me for help next time. Right, right. <laughs> How about jokes? If you had a commander who wants you to write jokes and maybe you're not the funniest person in the world or, you know, I, I think to myself is kind of funny, but I'm not a comedian, right? So, I mean, if you ever had to write jokes for another, for a commander? I have not. I have I've had funny commanders before, or funny principals, and I always tell them, you write your jokes because <laughs> you have the timing, I don't. It would be awkward coming from me. So. Yeah, definitely the way to go. Like, sons, you says, know thyself. <laughs> <you> <laughs> what are the most common products that you find yourself writing or that any PA or CSO would find themselves writing when they get to a command? What's the most common products? 
I feel like the most common one that we get asked to help with are speeches because there's a lot more at stake, a lot more people are, are watching it, yeah. but it can literally run the gamut from um, emails, uh, memos, awards, um, narration for a ceremony, anything like that. Anytime the commander's gonna be, or somebody's gonna be speaking to an audience, um, we might get asked to contribute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I would just echo what, uh, what, what we were saying before about writing to the platform. Um, so for an email, for example, you probably wanna get right to the point because if someone opens it up and they see that brick of text, yes. it's over. Or, or when, uh, when your boss is actually traveling and they have a Blackberry iPhone or whatever it is, be cognizant of, they, they have to scroll and I kind of have like, a, if they have yeah. to do that more than twice, you're, you've lost. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. So of course, writing for your boss is a skill. And of course, we all wanna get better, right? At any skill. So what are some tools and resources that a, a PA or CSO could utilize uh, to be a better writer for their boss? Sure, so I lean on past writers. Like, <laughs> we, we, um, so one of my go-tos for techniques is Nancy Duarte. Uh, she, she combines the debate of primacy and recency um, of where your audience is engaged in the beginning and in the end and advocates for having them engaged throughout. So she kind of has a roller coaster model where she begins with what is and what can be and there's a gap between the two and she has the speaker or she's seen that some of the the famous speeches in history have gone between what is, what can be, what is, what can be, what is, what can be. And then you end on like a plateau of if we all work together, we can be at what can be. So that's for cadence and then for how to make the idea sticky, then I go to the Heath brothers and uh, they have a, a short list of things that you can do. The two that I find uh, most appealing are using concrete words. Uh, so things, so words that um, evoke a picture in someone's head and then storytelling. But storytelling, I don't mean write war and peace. I mean, tap into those common stories that, that people are familiar with, like an Aesop fable or David and Goliath and just use that to, uh, to help structure your story. Yeah, and, and go along with that to uh, reach your audience. If you can tap into some shared narrative, so if mm -hmm. I'm uh, a military person speaking to a military audience, you can tap into that shared narrative and speak about things that your audience will understand. Um, versus speaking to a civilian audience, you maybe wouldn't want to rely a lot on war stories to connect with them because it's not going to work. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree with Candice. Uh, looking at previous speeches and famous speeches from history is really going to help you be a better writer. Um, she mentioned that that roller coaster. Um, you know, uh, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is a famous, perfect example of that roller coaster because he starts out with the, um, the promise that was made with the Emancipation Proclamation and then he goes, but this is where we are today. Yeah. And here's the dream that I have of where we can be, but here's where we are today. So he really takes you on this roller coaster ride of hope and, and um, a little bit of, of sadness and fear that really empowers the audience at the end to feel like they want to go out and, and do something and make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of resources, you've brought some resources to the show for us. Could you sure. mind uh, going over these? And what, these what are, tools yeah. are these? Sure, actually a few books that I actually keep in my office. So as I said before, the Heath Brothers made to stick and they'll just go through simplicity, unexpectedness, kind of like the, the top half a dozen things that will make the audience carry your message forward or at least encourage them to. And then uh, here, Nancy Duarte in her Illuminate book. And that was, again, she has not only the, the roller coaster that keeps your folks engaged, but also uh, pinpoints the audience as your, as, your, as your hero in the story so that because they're the ones that are gonna carry forth your idea. And then my last go-to here is The Unseen Power, which really goes through important world events to show that there was a PR plan behind them. Things don't just generally happen because people are good or bad. They happen because someone had an idea and they 
campaign for it. Um, like the American Revolution, that's one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's great. You know, you mentioned earlier that kind of two of the most common things that you'll be writing for are speeches and ghost emails. Can you talk to those two products specifically and sort of what are some best practices that you utilize when you craft and create those messages? Yeah, well, I can speak about speeches. So for speech writing, one of the most tried and true methods of writing a good speech is using what we call the rhetorical triangle. And it was actually first coined by Aristotle, but it uses the three rhetorical appeals of ethos, logos, and pathos. And in ethos, you establish the credentials of the speaker. So why should people listen to me? Because I have all this experience. That's why Candace and I, when we first came out here, talked about our experience with speech writing. Why should you listen to us? Well, we have a lot of experience with it. Um, the second one, pathos, is trying to draw an emotional reaction from your audience. Candace mentioned you want to have your ideas stick. It's more likely to stick with someone if they react to it emotionally, if they have some kind of connection to it. And then logos is a logical appeal. Your arguments that you make throughout your speech should be sensical, they should be based in reality, um, and they should appeal to someone's kind of a, a idea of sense of, of order and, um, and things being right. So that for me is, is one of the, if you can master that rhetorical triangle, um, you'll see that some of the best speeches in history have used it and, and have been very successful. Nice. Yeah, I'll say a phrase that you see for ghost emails uh, over at Dinfos is be brief, be brilliant, be gone. That's the way to do it. Um, connect with who you're talking to, tell them what the issue is, what you need them to do, and then stop. Very good, very good. You know, one tip that I'll give anyone who's writing emails and that we utilize a lot at my last command was uh, don't be afraid to use highlights and bolds mm. and especially mm -hmm. in addition to keeping your email brief yeah. uh, also make sure to highlight what it is you want the viewer to immediately gravitate towards yeah. and it just makes it that much easier for them to again get past that wall of text sort of mm -hmm. barrier that they might see what are some more unusual things you've ever written for? Like for instance, uh, I had to write an op-ed one time. That was a completely new experience for me. Is there anything that's been like one-offs or just a completely unusual thing you didn't think you'd ever have to write for your boss? So sure, I'll start just because Stephanie's are amazing. So, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would say the most unusual was probably an SOP. So when I was in Iraq, we, uh, were, we were helping the army um, put devices on their vehicles and such so that would that would help them get past uh, IEDs. So writing an SOP is probably the most unusual thing I've had to help with. Yeah, um, there are definitely some, some things that you don't think you get tasked with, like awards and memos, memorandum for record, anything that's gonna be, you know, stand the test of time. Um, people tend to want help getting right. Um, but one of my, my most fun uh, projects that I worked on was in grad school. We were assigned a uh, historical figure to, to practice writing in their voice. Um, and I ended up writing tweets for Abraham Lincoln. So that was definitely something I never would have expected to have to do in, uh, in my life ever. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it was a really great uh, exercise in, in learning to really get someone's voice and, and apply it to different platforms. Yeah, what type, what type of hashtag would Lincoln use? Uh, hashtag um, reconstruction. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, considering hashtags, what kind of hashtags are they using on social media nowadays, Sergeant Whitney? And what are, what are they talking about on uh, social media? Any questions? Uh, not quite a hashtag, so to speak, but we do got a question. Uh, what are some of the other famous speeches that give you guys some inspiration as a ghostwriter? All right, so I'm going to have to say, oh, I'm going to be honest here. Not the oh. written speeches. It's the it's more scripted speeches. So uh, television. 
Oh. And Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a really there's good monologues right. There. I do. I that's that's probably my go-to. Okay. Um, I love the Gettysburg Address. Speaking of Lincoln, uh, because it was brief. It's famously something like 276 lines, but it was one of the most impactful speeches that has stood the test of time. Um, and I think that's a really good reminder to us that you don't have to be long-winded. In fact, it's better to mm -hmm. not be long-winded. Um, when your speech goes on for, for you know, half an hour, people tend to forget the things that you said back at the beginning, um, and you might lose some of your more important points. So I really love the Gettysburg Address as a reminder to, hey, let's keep this on the short side. Um, you know, that goes back to your, mm -hmm. your start on the ship. You know, nobody wants to stand around outside for half an hour to, for nothing, you know, mm -hmm. make it worth their while. Yeah, something like that, I would think, uh, what speeches motivate you? Which speeches have left impacts on you? And look at how those speeches were constructed and mm -hmm. then reverse engineer whatever tips or advice you would get from, you know, listening to that speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That reverse engineering is a really great, uh, great point. So look back at, at the other speeches. What do you remember? What stuck out for you? And how can you recreate that um, in your product that you're working on now? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I don't hear any more uh, comments from social media, but again, if you have anything that you would like to ask our panelists uh, after the show is over, by all means, they'll be looking out for it and can potentially answer your questions for you. Uh, but ladies, before we sign off and say goodbye to you, what sort of lasting words of wisdom would you like to leave with our audience about writing for your boss? Uh, I think I'm just going to reiterate, like, write, write for impact and then know your strengths and weaknesses and, and don't let hubris be your downfall. Good. And I'm going to say, build those relationships with your, your principal, with your command. Um, the more you get to know them, the more you are comfortable with their voice, uh, the easier it's going to be to write these products, and the, the more trusted that relationship is going to be. Um, you know, we have a saying, if you give them steak, they'll stop asking for hamburgers. So show them what you can do. Build those relationships, and they will come to lean on you as their trusted PA advisor for every written product that they do, which, you know, might not be, <laughs> might not be ideal, but, uh, but it makes you a good PA. So. Absolutely. And speaking of that, have you ever had any commanders reject your support or have you ever tried to interject your support into a commander who hasn't asked for your support directly? Uh, yeah, so I would say it's, pretty, it's probably common to not be the go-to when you first report uh, to a command. So just show your value. So uh, after something that's happened, like create products that clearly align with what your boss is trying to do, or if they go out and do something, come in with an AR, it can be short, it can be an email, and say, hey, this, this is how the audience members that you were engaging with uh, took away what you said, and here's how we can do it better next time, and I'm here to help do that. Yeah, um, you know, I talked about my speech in Afghanistan was kind of the kickoff point. I'd been working as a public affairs for three years up to that point, and nobody had ever asked me to help them write a speech. <laughs> and it was when they heard me give a speech that they liked, mm -hmm. they said, oh, she can write, let's ask her. So you really just have to kind of put yourself out there. And I would say maybe in your, um, you know, new commander integration, let them know this is something that I offer, this is something I can do, here's an example of something I've written in the past, and really let them know um, that that's available. As for commanders uh, turning down my advice, I mean, yeah, that happens all the time. We're public affairs advisors, so all I can do is offer my best advice, and if they choose not to take it, um, then you have to respect that. And you'll always do an AAR afterwards, like mm -hmm. Candace was saying, you know, um, do that after, after the event, after it happens, talk about what went well, what could have gone better, and how you could have been um, the key to help it go better. And I love that Stephanie was saying we're advisors. It's true, but also, 
like as you can hear just from her background she's an advocate advisor so she goes in with her her research done she makes a point um, and then she tells the boss this is what happens if you go with what we say this is a potential of what happens if you don't so then the boss can make that decision being an advisor is more than just saying up oh, I told him and then off you go so it, it it takes a little bit. Advisor advocates, probably what I would say. Yeah. 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 What I've found is I've usually always offered my skills and assistance to the commander, and either they're they, they take it or they you know they know how the, to write and they mm -hmm. know how they want to convey themselves. Some commanders I know of are very good at speaking off the cuff mm -hmm. and speaking without basically just notes or mm -hmm. bullet points, and they can talk you know for as long as they need to. And other commanders have said, I want you to write for me you know directly, which you know again different commanders, different experiences, so. Yeah. That's great. And to be clear, sometimes it's not as, you know, hey, I'm the commander, I have to give this speech, I need you to write it for me so I sound good. Sometimes it's literally just, uh, I need to get this email out and I don't. I have to go to this yeah. meeting, so can right. you please write something mm -hmm. for me? Sure. And, mm -hmm. and then I'll just sign off on it at the end. Yep. So it's not as always as dramatic as like, oh, I'm going to yeah. make them sound you know, amazing. <laughs> it's literally, I just have to get this done for them. So Like it's really, I don't have time to do this, I need yeah. your help to do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for taking time out of your busy schedules to come on our program today and talk about this very important topic. I think we pretty well established uh, just how important this skill is. <clears throat> and I wanna remind everyone that if you prefer to listen to your monthly dose of Dinfos Live, which is uh, watching us, which I don't know why anyone wouldn't wanna watch us. No way, who wouldn't? <laughs> uh, you can now subscribe to the show as a podcast. Just search Dinfos Live on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find direct links to each platform that we host the podcast on in our show notes. Well, thank you all for joining us for this discussion. Hopefully you learned a thing or two that will make you a better communicator and a better resource for your boss. I know I did. Next month, <clears throat> we'll be talking about disaster preparedness and emergency management, an especially relevant topic as we enter hurricane season. So join us on May 25th to learn about how you can be better prepared to communicate during emergencies, disasters, and crises. Till next month, everybody.